Welcome to the Pokes Cast. I'm Ryan Thorburn with the Casper Star Tribune, joined today by Robert Gagliardi, my Border War book co-author and longtime Wyoming beat writer for the Cheyenne and Laramie papers. Now Robert's enjoying the good life uh, with the Game and Fish. How are you doing, my man? Doing great, Ryan. How are you doing? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. It's been uh, quite a grind. Uh, I'm getting tired just watching all these basketball games, and it appears that Graham E.K. and the guys have kind of hit the wall here down the stretch, which is bad timing, but we're kind of getting ready here for Wyoming's last regular season game, Saturday against Fresno State, 2 p.m. at the Arena Auditorium. Robert, the Cowboys a couple weeks ago were ranked 22nd in the AP poll, looking like a, kind of a lock for the NCAA tournament. Now they've dropped four out of their last six and uh, are on that bubble. I think they're still in in almost every projection, but they're sliding towards the bubble where you get nervous. Uh, just your thoughts on maybe what they need to do down the stretch here to get off the bubble. Yeah, you know, we were just talking a little bit about it before we started this, Ryan. It's, you know, you certainly Wyoming hasn't played its best basketball here in these last, you know, losing four of these last six. But it's also, I mean, they've been in those games. Uh, moral victories don't count this time of year by any stretch, but it's not like they're that far off. But you're, you, I think you kind of hit it. I, it seems to me they're kind of maybe maybe hit a little bit of a wall, uh, maybe getting a little bit fatigued with all the minutes the, the frontline guys like, you know, Maldonado and EK are playing. Um you know, defenses have clamped down a little bit. They're not making some of the shots that they've made in the past, but but it's not like it's it's there. I don't know. I'm curious your take. It doesn't seem like they're that far off, but they certainly have to find something or a second wind or or something like that. I think a long way will go toward that if you know they get this last one on tomorrow against you know very good, very tough Fresno State team at home. Get you know try to get a little bit of momentum going into the tournament and then see what happens, you know, and now, you know, it's, they're cut, they're locked into that four seed and look, you know, at the start of the season, if you would have said Wyoming will be the four seed in the mountain West tournament going in, you know, you know, people would have been elated. Now I think it's fair to say there's maybe a little bit of a letdown with that, but you know, and then they get, they get UNLV on their home court in that. And, you know, Ryan, you've, you know, covered a lot of these, you know, UNLV basketball hasn't been really, well, it hasn't been relevant for a long time and it really, and it hasn't been relevant at the mountain West tournament for the most part, since it's been at the Thomas and Mac, but not that UNLV basketball is back, but it seems like Kevin Kruger has them going in a very good direction. Um, you know, I don't think anyone that plays in the Mountain West tournament wants to play UNLV on its home floor. I don't care what seed you are or what it is. You just don't want to do it. And, and unfortunately, Wyoming's going to just have to do that. But I just think, look, try to get this win on Saturday, you know, build a little momentum. Then they what? They won't play again till Thursday you know, get some legs and then, you know, it's postseason time. So, but, you know, I'm with you, Ryan, you know, even when they were ranked 22nd and, and that was great. And, you know, all the projections still have them in the NCAA tournament now. Look, I, I, I'm just not, I'm not a buyer. I think, you know, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I think Wyoming has to, one, they got to win Saturday and then they've got to at least get to the semifinals. Now, though, I think it's more to me, they have to get to the finals. You know, if they get to the semifinals, maybe depending on what happens in some of these other conference tournaments and stuff, maybe that's good enough. But I just got an I just got an inkling that they have to get to the championship game of the Mountain West tournament to, to get that to get an at large. But obviously, they they win the tournament, they're automatically in. But that's how I'm seeing this. You know, and again, 
I'm not taking anything away from the Jerry Palms and Joe Lenardi's of the world because they're very good at what they do. And I hope they're right. But I just think with this kind of little swoon that Wyoming's been on, I think the Cowboys have to at least get to the Mountain West Championship game if they're hoping for an at-large bid. If not, I just, you know, I, I see NIT, maybe some, maybe other things will happen, but I think that's what, I think the Cowboys have to get to the championship game now. Yeah, one of the stats I was uh, blown away by just, you know, kind of following it from afar for the last 20 years is that was their 19th consecutive loss to UNLV at the Thomas and Mack Center. That's, that's crazy because, as you mentioned, UNLV hasn't been Tarkanian UNLV for a long, long time. So um, that's a little bit uh, worrisome if you're a Wyoming fan because the game will be in the Thomas and Mack Center next Thursday, Wyoming UNLV again. But of course, this time, you know, Wyoming will maybe have even more fans than UNLV. Uh, the court is literally different. They take out UNLV's court and put in the Mountain West court and, and those sort of things. It's but it's still the same building and the same team and the same stat. So um, I kind of think if they beat Fresno State and then beat UNLV that they're in. Um, but, you know, you never know how many bid stealers are out there at the smaller tournaments and things of that nature. So uh, you might want to just go ahead and win three in Vegas and, and not worry about it on Selection Sunday. Um, one of the, the themes in the post game with Linder after the UNLV game, and they lost, you know, 64-57. It was, it was a toss-up game until the end. Um, you know, Maldonado was out of the game the first, you know, for about eight minutes in the first half after getting poked in the eye. Um, we haven't talked to Linder yet before Fresno State. That's this afternoon, uh, Friday afternoon. So we don't have a, an update update on Maldonado. Um, I think he's probably questionable, but – then again, he's a senior and it's senior day. And, you know, I don't know if they could get some goggles or something, but, uh, but anyway, the theme was basically that the schedule was brutal, not just from who they were playing, but, you know, you're basically, they had played three games in five nights, uh, four games in a week, uh, starting at Colorado state, which is an NCAA tournament team. And then, you know, Nevada, which was, uh, you know, a nice Saturday win. And then obviously San Diego state, which right now is a NCAA team. And then at UNLV, which is one of the hotter teams West of the Mississippi on their home floor. So brutal stretch. I think Wyoming hit the wall. I think they didn't have their legs and uh, you know, just looking at some of Graham EK's stats, it's, it's kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say alarming, but it's telling, you know, if you, if you just look at the CSU San Diego state and UNLV games, take out the Nevada game. They don't play much defense, which is why they're in the predicament they're in. Uh, those three games I mentioned, he was 13 for 44 from the field. That's 29.5%. This is a guy, you know, who was averaging, you know, over 20 points a game. In those three games, he had 32 total points. So I don't know. I think that's a combination of teams defending him better. Um, the referees, swallowing the whistle a little bit in these bigger Mountain West games and also just fatigue. Uh, just So I think Graham E.K., you know, he's going to have Orlando Robinson in here on Saturday. He's a seven-foot-one NBA center, potentially. I think if Graham E.K. is the one who needs to get his mojo back, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the way we've seen with this team all season, Ryan, when Graham E.K. is going – 
you know, so go the Cowboys in the fact that, you know, when he's effective down low, whether he's scoring in the paint or if he's getting to the free throw line, I think that's another thing too. He certainly was getting to the free throw line a lot. I think he was among the nation's leaders in fouls drawn and things like that. And that also has, 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 has waned here in the latter part of the season. So, and then that opens so many other things up for, you know, whether it's Malvinado or the outside shooters, Jeffries and all those guys. So I certainly would agree. But then, I, you know, you, the, the fatigue thing is an interesting thing, Ryan, because I think, you know, you got to remember, not trying to make excuses for Graham, but look, you know, you know, had a knee injury his senior year in, in high school that basically cut his season short, or I don't think it eliminated us, but, it, you know, didn't play much. And then he came back a little bit last year and we saw the, the glimpses and then he got off to such a great start. And now you wonder in a, you know, in, in a college season where you're in your 30th some game, if just how much that fatigue is setting in because he hasn't played this much basketball in a long time. And again, not making excuses. And this is why you play the games. These are the important games. But you wonder not just the fatigue of a season, but even going back a couple of years. And even though you can do all the gassers and do all the offseason work, when you put in that much of a workload, you wonder how much that's taking a toll. And again, you know, Graham's going to have to find that second gear and one is going to have to do what it can to, to get him rested or get him, you know, prepared for that. But that fatigue thing, I think, is not just a byproduct of perhaps this season, but the last couple of seasons, because this is probably the most basketball Graham E.K. has played in his basketball career to this point. Yeah. And now the other point I was getting to on this fatigue theme is I it was a legitimate excuse. I mean, Linder doesn't want to make excuses, but it was a legitimate thing that happened to this team over the last four or five games. But now you get back from UNLV, you have, you know, a couple days to kind of get your legs back a little bit. And here you're sitting, you know, hopefully on your couch watching Fresno State take uh, San Diego State into double overtime. I stayed up for that, you know, until midnight uh, just because Fresno State ended up losing by one point to San Diego State in double overtime. Uh, That locked Wyoming into the four instead of having a chance at the three because the tiebreaker, even though if Wyoming beats Fresno State, they're going to have one more Mountain West win than San Diego State, but that head-to-head is actually what is going to be the tiebreaker, and they only played them once. So I stayed up and watched that, but now you have no excuse in this last game because Fresno State, you know, they're at San Diego State, on you know, at sea level. They play double overtime, you know, late Thursday night into Friday, <laughs> and then they have to get up and, and come to Laramie. And, you know, regardless of what happens in the season finale, they will have to start their Mountain West tournament on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Whereas Wyoming, regardless of what happens, won't start until Thursday. So the rest is starting to catch up a little bit for Wyoming, where some other teams are going through, still going through a gauntlet. So uh, I don't think that will be a, an excuse, particularly in the first round. I think they'll have some time to, to kind of get ready for that. And it's going to come down to making some adjustments. Uh, in the in the scouting report that you just went over a few days ago when you do face UNLV next. And, uh, you know, there's really no excuses. You need to beat Fresno State and you need to beat UNLV and then let the chips fall where they may in, in the semifinals, which could be Boise State for a third time, which, you know, would be a high-quality loss or win. Or, or maybe Boise State has to deal with Nevada again, who gave them a nice game. Uh, the other night when they had a, a cha- when Boise clinched the championship on their home court against Nevada. So, uh, you know, I, I think from a rest standpoint 
things are starting to even out just a little bit. I'm not saying these guys are going to be fresh like they were in November, but mm-hmm. um, the schedule's starting to, to 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 lean in their favor a little bit when you look at everybody's schedule and what they're doing. Right. I guess Ryan, I'll, I'll throw this at you. You know, you, you know, you mentioned the Graham Ek stats, and that's that is telling and and stuff. But in over these, you know, in these last six games, even when Wyoming's won a couple of those, what else have you seen? The teams are doing different. Uh, you know, are, what are they doing different against EK? You know, is it just matchups? You know, like you know, good good players guarding them. Are they doing anything against Maldonado? We we talked a little bit last week where, you know, for the CSU game, they needed you know their shooters to step up a little bit, and we've seen that in, in glimpses. You know, Jeffrey's stepped up against Colorado State. You know, Dussel has has played a little bit better. Is there any other not alarming things, but any other trends you're seeing aside from the EK stats that we've gone over? that's led to some of this, some of, some of the, the Cowboys struggles over these last four to six games. Well, first of all, I would say that Wyoming has been playing some really good <laughs> high end elite players, you know, David mm-hmm. Roddy and those guys refused to let Maldonado or EK even get the ball anywhere near the basket. So mm-hmm. they had a great scouting report, a game, a great game plan. Nico Medved said afterwards, we were going to let, you know, basically Jeffries and Odin and Dussel beat us and they made some great shots, but not enough because we were not going to let uh, Graham EK go point blank or Maldonado do his back down and, and hook shots and all those moves. And, and they got the ball out of their hands or made EK take, you know, contested shots and he was off that night. So they had a great game plan. They have great players. Uh, Nathan Minza is by far the best defensive player in the mountain West, maybe the best, one of the best defensive players in the country. They let him go one-on-one with EK down the stretch. Uh, EK took, I think three jumpers over Menza in the last couple minutes when the game was in the balance, missed all three of them. So that's a little different approach, but with the caveat that nobody else really has a Nathan Menza to throw at you. Uh, UNLV, you know, I wasn't there. I was watching it, you know, on TV, like everyone else. It appeared to me, that he got pretty good shots, um, maybe settled for for the jumpers more than than the uh, going to the glass a little bit. But I think he got the ball where he, he needed it. He was just you know off. I think he was six for nineteen. Uh, so that might have been the legs. Um, Maldonado, I think, played okay considering he had one eye and you know nearly left with a triple double. So I, I think from that standpoint, it was just fatigue more than anything. I mean, it's obviously very concerning the way they're finishing down the stretch here. But I think there is hope that they could get it back like they did, you know, last week against Nevada. Maybe, you know, Fresno State's going to present a whole different challenge. They're number two behind San Diego State in defense in the Mountain West and right up there at the top nationally. So it's not going to be easy, but you are at home. Uh, Orlando Robinson, those guys are going to be coming in uh, a little weary. So, uh, you know, I think for the for the UNLV rematch, it's going to come down uh, to again not letting uh, Bryce Hamilton go off. And Wyoming did a tremendous job on him the first time, three for fifteen shooting. Uh, they obviously did a tremendous job on EK. So uh, it's going to be a matter of the role players coming through. UNLV's came through huge the other night. You know, and that's you know not jump trying to jump ahead too much to the UNLV game in the tournament, Ryan, but you brought up a good point about Bryce Hamilton and we've seen him this year just absolutely go off on people. And even in a stretch of a game where he's maybe a little bit off then all of a sudden, whatever, you know, 
he can turn it on. And, you know, that's, that was great what they did against him earlier in the week. I, I agree, but man, you know, that's a, to me, that's a pretty tall task to, to, for Wyoming to do that again. I'm not saying it's impossible or they can't do it again, but you know that Bryce Hamilton's probably thinking about that, you know, going into, going into next week too. So that'll be very interesting because Bryce Hamilton is the, is the kind of talent where he can take over a game. You know, there's, handful of players in this league that are that way. And he's certainly one of them. And maybe you could argue he's the best one at that. So that'll be another interesting thing to look at come Thursday is how does UNLV adjust to what Wyoming did against Hamilton the first time and, and, and vice versa, how does Wyoming adjust? So, cause if, if Bryce Hamilton goes off on him, that could, that could really be bad news for the Cowboys. Uh, while I've got you here, um, you know, I'm going to be, doing Jeff Grammer's uh, all mountain West team here this weekend as the season ends for the media side of it. Uh, man, it's tough this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, player of the year candidate, I would think the favorite at this point has to be David Roddy. Um, mm-hmm. Wyoming obviously had two candidates there in Maldonado and Ike who've fallen off down the stretch just a little bit. Um, especially Maldonado. I think he should still be considered, but you know, who else are you going to put on that first team? You've got, you know, uh, you mentioned Bryce Hamilton. He's leading the conference in scoring right up there nationally as the top mm-hmm. scorer nationally. We saw Matt Bradley the other night at the Arena Auditorium just put on a display. I think he's clearly San Diego State's bread and butter glue guy, best player. Um, we mentioned Menza. He's going to be the defensive player of the year, but you know, even though he doesn't average a lot of points, how much weight do you put into that in terms of all Mountain West teams? Justin Bean is a double-double machine. You know, Boise State wins the league, you know, a week early. They have Hijab and Shaver and Deganhart, guys that aren't putting up monster stats but are just tremendous Mountain West players. And then, you know, Orlando Robinson coming in here. Uh, on Saturday is obviously uh, probably the best NBA prospect and, and he's elevated Fresno state's program a little bit. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, we haven't even mentioned uh, a lot of players that were on it last year, Nevada's guards and uh, AJ Walker. And it just goes on and on. We saw New Mexico's guards were dynamic. I mean, this is really a good league this year with a lot of good players. How would yeah. you kind of stack up your, let's say top five, Man, that's that's hard. I don't envy the guys that are you know where it really where where it counts certainly, but you know obviously I think I'm with you. I think obviously Roddy is 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 a first teamer and pro- and the player of the year to this point. I think you got to go there. Um, I think you have to put. I think you got to put Matt Bradley on there as a first teamer. This this is how I would do it. Again, what is whatever that means. I probably put Maldonado on there, and I know it's it's been somewhat of an up and down near the end, but he's done so many things so well, not just the scoring, but the rebounding, the assists. I mean, he's kind of the, the do-everything kind of guy, you know. I think EK was making a very strong point uh, a couple weeks ago, but I think with his recent struggles, I think that bumps him down to the second team if, if I had to choose right now. And then <sighs> – yeah. Then after that, I mean, I don't, you know, Boise's so is is good, but now the the freshman you mentioned, he's I think he's the freshman of the year. I don't know if I see a, you know, maybe ACOT maybe is on the first team, you know, and then you got Robinson, you know. But then where does Justin be? And even Isaiah, you know, Isaiah Stevens for CSU, 
arguably one of the best point guards in this league. Maybe he is the best point guard in this league. So I guess I go with I go with Bradley, Maldonado, obviously Roddy. Obviously, he's probably the number one choice. And then I probably go with I don't know. ACOD, I guess. How do, how do you have a team? I don't know. I guess this is maybe flawed thinking, but how do you have not one first team or guy on the on the on the team that wins the league? I guess maybe that just says just how good Boise is, is because it's not just one guy. That's actually a compliment to the Broncos. And then the fifth guy, I mean Robinson. I mean, I don't think all conference teams should be should, you know, players shouldn't be on there based on their NBA potential, but Orlando Robinson's good. I mean, you just look at his numbers and what he can do is, I mean, he's a 7-1 center, but he's got a perimeter game. You know, do you, I, maybe you throw – or I'd probably throw Orlando Robinson on that on that first team, but you mentioned Bean, you know, like, you know, go down the list. You can go down the list of almost every team in this league, maybe aside from San Jose State, and make a solid argument that there, there's at least one guy on those teams that, that deserve first-team recognition in the Mountain West this year. Yeah, to your point about Boise State, whenever I've watched them, and I've watched you know quite a few of their games, I think their best player is Kijab. Mm-hmm. So you said Acott, you know, Shavers obviously hit a bunch of buzzer beater or late game situation shots. I think Kijab in my vote will be the highest, and the way we're going to do it is you just vote one through fifteen, you know, right your top five or our first team and, and then so on for three teams, you know, obviously I think Roddy Maldonado and I'm going to say even Orlando Robinson are probably locks for first team. Mm-hmm. And then I think a lot of people are going to put Bryce Hamilton because of the scoring and because UNLV is, you know, exceeded expectations, especially in the mountain West play. Mm-hmm. So there's four right now. And I really think, I really think Bradley, needs to be on there. But when it comes to EK, I mean, if you're going on how they're finishing, obviously he's going to get dropped down to second team. But when you look at his season, he's still second in the Mountain West in scoring, second in rebounding. You know, I haven't checked today, but that's where he's been, despite this recent slump. I mean, those are two pretty big categories there. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. It certainly wouldn't surprise me. And not saying EK is not deserving of first team. He certainly is, but I'm just wondering how that, how that vote will be. And yeah, you know, but I guess I do. Do you see a scenario, Ryan, where on the first team, whether it's, you know, you're doing with Jeff, you know, you'll do the mountain West one as well. Or maybe you've submitted that, that Boise state won't have a first team player. And again, I'm it's, it's, that's not a, that's not an insult. If anything, that's a compliment because Boise is, is arguably, it, maybe it's not even an audience is the most well-rounded team in the Mountain West this year, but I, I do you see a scenario? Do you see it as, as a distinct possibility that Boise does not have a first team player, first team all Mountain West player, whether it's on Jeff Grammer's list, it's on the media list, you know, or even the coaches list? Because now I just I still think they do that separately now. Do you see that? Do you foresee that? I think that's very very likely because mm-hmm. you know I've got it down to like six or seven guys for first team, and then I have you know, key jab and shaver on that next level. So mm-hmm. um, it's tough. And that's why I think because of, if you look at the whole season as a whole, I think Leon Rice is the Mountain West coach of the year. I know Linder was a heavy, heavy favorite a couple of weeks ago and very deserving. They were picked tied for eight. They were right in the mix, but now you look how it's, it's played out Boise state 
without a superstar with a collection of really, really high, good players has won this league. And, and Wyoming is the four seed, which is still way above expectations, but not, you know, they didn't, it didn't come down to that last Saturday between them and Boise, obviously. So I think Leon Rice is the coach of the year based on what he's done with this collection of guys who, by the way, are all older players, seniors or fifth year juniors, that type of thing. Yeah. And I was just going to get asked that about the coach of the year. And I, I, your point's well taken, Ryan, what, you know, I know Boise was, I mean, Boise wasn't picked in the bottom half of the league by any means, but they win their first outright Mountain West championship. And really, you know, since the the loss to Wyoming and Laramie a few weeks ago, I don't don't think they've lost, you know, and again, it's, 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 but it's interesting because we were talking about EK earlier about, you know, his season stats are still right up there, but then we were talking about his latest swoon, but you look at, at Linder, you know, it's interesting how, uh, you know, whether, you know, a lot of these where you're looking at all conference stuff or even coach of the year or freshman of the year, a lot of those things, you know, do you look at the whole body of work or do you sometimes focus more on what things, how things are going near the end of the season? And I'm not, I'm not saying one's right, wrong, or indifferent or anything, but it's interesting how you kind of look at it because, you know, and, you know, Boise's been pretty good, not pretty good. Boise's been, is having its, its greatest basketball success under Leon Rice, whether it's this year, last year, even since he's gotten there, they've always been very good. But then you look at, you know, look at Jeff Linder. Yeah, I know they've the Cowboys have lost four or six, but look at what he's done with, what, 23, 24 wins, you know, and yeah, they're the four seed, but you know, pick to finish tied for ninth, you know, so it's, it's just interesting how, how people think of it and they have every right to think of it how they want. So that'll be interesting. I kind of lean toward where you're, where you're thinking on that, but um, you know, maybe if Wyoming hadn't lost four of the last six, if even gone 500 or, you know, one, four of their last six, I still think, I think maybe that would have been more of a slam dunk for Linder, but it's interesting because if you look at the whole body of work though, what Linder's done has been, you know, very, very impressive. And it still is. No matter if he's voted coach of the year or not, that doesn't take away what he's been able to do with this group of guys this season at Wyoming. I, and I think, you know, you've talked to Jeff Lender. I haven't had a chance. When I left the beat was when they were still looking for the basketball coach. So I've not talked to Jeff Lender, never interviewed him, never done anything with him. I don't think those things really matter to him that much. But whether they vote, whether he is the coach of the year or not, that doesn't take away what he's accomplished this year for the Cowboys. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a great story, obviously, and we're looking forward to, to covering the ending here over the next few weeks. Um, so can't wait for that. Before I get you out of here, Robert, uh, we need to talk about the Cowgirls. You know, here's a team that quietly is the number three seed in the women's Mountain West tournament. They have won nine of their last 11 games. Uh, I went to their senior night the other night against Colorado State. They beat the Rams in overtime. And as luck would have it, they will almost certainly play the Rams in the quarterfinals of the tournament, uh, assuming the Rams beat San Jose State, the 11 seed. Uh, So that'll be a 3-6 Border War trilogy rematch. So just your thoughts on the Cowgirls. Obviously, they returned Tommy Olsen. Quinn Weideman, Alba Sanchez-Ramos from last year's great run where they cut down the nets in Vegas without fans. Mm-hmm. They add in, you know, super freshman Allison Fertig. Uh, McKinley Bradshaw has emerged as, you know, one of the great scorers in the league. It's really a, a nice starting five, and they have some a couple nice bench players. But 
Uh, Gerald Manson has the hottest team in the league going in to try to win the tournament again. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's been great to see the Cowgirls turn it around after, you know, a, a, a shaky start, an up-and-down start, but they certainly kind of found their way, you know, and to look, I mean, you know, to win nine in a bowl, I don't care what conference you're in, how good it is or how, you know, whatever you win nine of 11 games at the end of this at end of a season like this heading into tournament plays says says a lot you know but kind of talking about the the, the men with their kind of tough matchup with UNLV on their home floor you know you just beat your rival in a in a close game at home and then you got to turn around in, in less than a week and play them again or in about a week and, and, and play them again and that's just tough but it, it is what it is but I think you just build off of I'm sure Gerald Manson's like, I don't care if we're playing Colorado State or, you know, UNLV or New Mexico, you know, you go what got you there, you know, and it'll be interesting that the, 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 the kind of the chess match within the chess match of the coaches of having played each other so recently of how how each adjusts and how the other coach adjusts to those adjustments, so to speak. So that'll be interesting. But I think if you're the Cowgirls, you know, just do what you've been doing until someone stops it. You know what I mean? And I think that to me, that's kind of the mindset you got to take, but it is, that's, that's tough. It's hard to, you know, they split the regular season series. It's just hard to, you know, repeat that, you know, it's, it's a good rivalry. Colorado state's been very good. I think they were probably leading this league at some point early the season. They, they were expected to be good and they are They're their, their quality team and would be Florida if they lost to San Jose in that first round game. But um, I think if you're the Cowgirls do what you do, Maybe make some subtle adjustments here and there. Um, just keep doing what you're doing and hope we can go on another magical run. But it's been great to see. Happy for the girls. Happy for Coach Mattinson and the staff. You know, after, you know, the incredible tournament run they made last year to, 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 to be playing. I guess all you can ask for, Ryan, as a basketball coach at this time of year, come tournament time, is to be playing your best basketball. And right now, I think the Cowgirls are. I'm sure as a coach, there's always things you can improve on. But to win nine of eleven going into the conference tournament, I think more most coaches around the country would take that. Yeah, and and the two losses, one was at Air Force, who had the best season they've ever had in women's basketball. And that game, Brad Shaw's, they were down two. She shot a three at the buzzer that literally went halfway down, spun around, and came out. Or that would have been a win. And then their other loss was at Fort Collins where they had a bad quarter, a th- bad third quarter. Otherwise they would have been, you know, in great position to win that game. So uh, they're also the only team in the league that's beaten both UNLV, the, the, Mount, the regular season champion and New Mexico, the number two seed, they beat them at the pit on a Tommy Olson three at the buzzer. So you can't have more confidence than they have right now. And, and also based on what they did last year, it's a, uh, totally different circumstance. There will be fans this time. And, 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 you know, I was joking with Manson about the scouting reports. I mean, they're already done. I mean, they just did them. (laughs) Right. He said, Ryan Williams, you know, just knowing him, the CSU coach that he'll have some sort of different defensive, you know, approach subtle to maybe kind of throw off Tommy Olson or try to. And, and he said, Wyoming will have a, you know, a couple subtle things in their back pocket, whether that's angles or, or things that you won't even notice, you know, on TV, but uh, it's going to come down to Tommy Olson and, and Quinn Weideman and Alba Sanchez Ramos and particularly McKinley Bradshaw making buckets. You know, Wyoming's been really good defensively all year and they've been up and down offensively. So 
just like the the EK Maldonado situation, they're going to have to have a night where they're on it offensively to beat beat the Rams back to back. Yeah, and if they, if they do win this game, you know that New Mexico doesn't really want to see the Cowgirls in the semis. You know they won't say that, but I'm guessing they'd rather play the Rams, mm-hmm. uh, given Wyoming's fan base and given the momentum Wyoming has, and given what happened in the pit. And you know UNLV women who just uh, lost in Laramie ended a 12-game win streak for them. They don't want Wyoming either. Nobody wants Wyoming, and that's uh, that's a good place to be. But in rivalry games, you just don't know. Yeah, and you know with the women's tournament Ryan and you know look the Mountain West has been good on the women's side too but unfortunately the Mountain West is still a one bid league for the for, for you know for the Mountain West you know right wrong or indifferent say what you know say what you want but it's still a one bid league and that's unfortunate it'd be nice to you know that it wasn't and you know you could probably make a case that you know a UNLV you know New Mexico that you know Wyoming uh you know it, that it, there's good basketball here but this is winning you're in there's no you know you know, even if New Mexico and, and UNLV, the top two seeds, are playing in the in the championship game, you know the 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 losers playing in the WNIT. You know, this isn't you know oh we got a couple at larges. This is this is really win or go home, so to speak. So that also adds a little bit more intrigue and drama to the women's side of the tournament because it's it is you know you know that on the men's side you know CSU's going to the tournament, Boise's going to the tournament, San Diego State's pretty much looks like it's in as long as they don't have a, a, a horrible, you know, first round loss, you know, but the women's side, it's like your winner's in. And after that, it's, you know, pick your poison WNIT or there are the other, I think there's a third women's postseason tournament. And that, those are nice. Don't get me wrong, but just, that's just a little bit more of the drama to the women's side when it's just, you know, you're one, when you're a one bit league. Yeah. And to his credit, Gerald Madison knew this when he took over for Ligurski, that this is a one bid league. And he designed his program or his approach for the Wyoming Cowgirls to play their best basketball in March. You know, they went through a a brutal stretch in January where they lost at Boise State and at Utah State, two teams that are not good. They lost back to back to them on the road and just played awful. Uh, And he wasn't uh, thrown by that. He's like, you know, it's a lesson. We've got to go get back to Calgary basketball and finish strong and get ready for March. And, and he, in October, he said, it's all going to come down to Las Vegas and we got to be playing our best basketball in Las mm-hmm. Vegas. Last year, they won the Mountain West tournament for the first time. So they've designed their whole structure for these three games and they have the confidence it's worked out where they are playing their best basketball and the fact that, you know, UNLV and New Mexico have, you know, what, 24, 25 wins, they also in the back of their mind know it's a one-bid league, and that puts a lot of pressure on them mm-hmm. uh, to get it done because they've had great seasons, but one loss and, and you're headed to the WNIT. So that puts the pressure on them. I think the Cowgirls probably have some pressure on them as well, being the three seed and, and trying to win this thing again. Yeah, and another thing to kind of keep an eye on, at least after the tournament, no matter how the Cowgirls do, you know, I remember when when Joe Ligurski, you know, retired after, you know, his run at Wyoming, you know, Gerald Madison took over and he signed a three-year contract. And he basically said, he goes, I can I can commit to three years. Okay, he was very animate about, or very poignant about that when, when that happened. And this is his third year now. And, you know, I think they have a plan in place. You know, maybe you know more, but I'm pretty sure Heather Ezell, the associate head coach, is, 
they've been grooming her even even while you know which coach Ligurski may have been there even grooming her a little bit but that's just another interesting little maybe caveat to keep an eye on is if, if you know if Gerald was animate that is like he, he can give him three years and if you know again if Wyoming doesn't win the Mountain West tournament there there will be a postseason opportunity for them whether it's the WNIT and I know there's there's even another one um you know what's going to happen you know will there be another changing of the guard so to speak so just something to kind of keep an eye on there too because this this may be Gerald's last run as as a head coach you know he's done what he said now if he's if he's got it in him where you know he wants to do it one more time or two more times or sign another three-year contract all, all the power to him that's great but you know I gotten to know Gerald a little bit in the time when I did the chance the the, the 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 chances I got to cover the cowgirls which I thoroughly enjoyed usually when what, what Gerald says he means you know so that'll just be kind of interesting come you know whether it's after the Mountain West tournament or whatever postseason opportunities for the cowgirls what's what's going to happen there yeah, unfortunately, for whatever reason, at this point, I don't get it at all. But for whatever reason, the both basketball pro- programs are still doing Zoom interviews at this point, which is mm-hmm. absurd uh, that they haven't changed that. Um, so I don't I haven't had a chance to get to know these players or Gerald. Well, it's all on Zoom. It's it's tough. And, and I'm not complaining. I mean, it is what it is. It's a pandemic. I get it. But. You know, it's tough when you see the guys that cover Colorado State men come in and go down and talk to their players in person and their coach. And you're on a Zoom with Linder and the crowd's still exiting. You can't even hear. I mean, it's ridiculous. So that being said, uh, I haven't had a chance to, you know, these are kind of the kind of questions you would ask in person. Yeah. Are you going to retire? Are you coming back? Right. Right. Seniors, even though you did a ceremony, you could come back. Are you coming back? Or have you thought about that yet? Um, my sense is um, that Gerald will probably retire when their last game is, uh, is done. Mm-hmm. And that, to your point, I think Heather Azeel would probably make a lot of sense as a smooth transition. Someone who has a great resume and appears to be ready to be a head coach. And my other sense is that a couple of the seniors could be back. So this run may not be over. So uh, that's just my sense. I'm not going to report that unless the people that are making their life decisions, you know, want to tell me that, yeah, I have made that decision official. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's my sense is that, uh, that this will probably be it for Gerald, but there's a, a really good chance that the run could continue on with maybe a couple of key seniors coming back and you have two of the best players in the mountain West who also happen to be from Wyoming, Brad, Sean Ferdig are obviously not going anywhere and are great players to build around. So that's just my, my sense of it right now. We'll see how it plays out. Well, real quick is, is Ferdig hands down the freshman of the year in the mountain West for, for women's basketball. I think so. I think she's the Deegan heart of, of the women's side. I mean, she's, one freshman of the week five times. Um, even the other night when when CSU did a great job of not letting her get the ball deep to, to score, she had, I think, six key rebounds and down the stretch and a block down the stretch. So uh, she can do it on both ends, and she's still kind of raw, to be honest with you. I mean, she's a develop, developing player. You know, when you dominate in high school like that and there's no one – close to your size and then you get to college and 
like we mentioned with EK, now she's playing 30 plus games. That's a big adjustment. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's gotta be exciting for, for Wyoming Cowgirls fans to have a, two players this great that are, that are from Wyoming is, is pretty cool. Not to mention Tommy Olson, you know, grew up in Worland. That's, that's pretty unique. Yeah. It's, it's been a great, it's been a great run for the Cowgirls and hopefully they continue it and, Heck, Ryan, we're postseason basketball. It doesn't seem like that long ago we were just getting ready to talk football, you know, and now, you know, we got the NFL Combine for for Chad Muma coming up this weekend and what spring football starts in a few couple, two, three weeks down in Laramie. And gosh, where's the time go, man? Because we it just seems like yesterday we're just talking about the start of football season. Now we're in tournament basketball time right now. Yeah. So yeah, we'll get into spring football when spring football arrives, but for now it's, uh, it's the best time of year bracket time. So Robert, thanks so much for your time. Maybe with the power of zoom, which I was just lamenting as far as, uh, being a media person, it is great for certain things. And hopefully, uh, we can do this maybe when I'm in Vegas, if the teams are making a run or, or that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I know you'll be up watching, uh, some of these late games and, uh, the good news for the the pokes uh, on the men's side is I think they're in a locked into a day game now on Thursday, which is good for deadlines and, and that sort of thing. So, well, yeah, first and foremost, deadlines because that's how we, that's how we operate. That's how we that's how we're wired. But a day game playing playing the home team basically on their home floor that's better than the prime time slot when you could get maybe more people. I mean, you take any little advantage that you can there. Yeah, Wyoming fans will be lubed up and ready to go no matter what time the game is. And I think UNLV fans probably aren't going to flock and rally behind this team and, and unless they get to the semifinals. I think then all of a sudden the Mountain West is on alert that these guys could could steal a bid. You're right, right. But one thing, though, Ryan, I wish we were, could do this podcast in Vegas together, but I hope you get a chance when you get down there. You know, I know you're going to work hard. You always do, but hope you have a chance to have a little bit of fun, whatever that, whatever that means. You know, if you, you know, play little cars, you know, slots or whatever, you know, got to have a little fun in Vegas. You know, it's, it's a lot of work, especially covering two teams and there's a lot going on, but man, I hope you get a chance just to, you know, have a little bit of fun. Cause I, I understand from past experience, there's, there's a little bit of fun to be had in Vegas. Yeah. And from, from what I've heard, uh, they stay open late. So nothing closes. So I'm, I'm glad that hasn't changed, man. I'm glad that hasn't changed. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Robert. We'll talk to you hopefully next week. All right. Sounds good, Ryan. Thank you.